have called this weekend ACAC Vision Weekend, and what I am going to share with you today is something that the Lord has really been burning in my heart for nearly a year. It's something that I've had lots of discussion with, with our staff. We have been praying about it. In December, I gathered our elders, our ops board, finance committee, our congregational leadership, and shared it with them. We gathered around tables and shared ideas and have been praying over it. So it's, it's something that has been birthed in me, but shared far beyond just my heart. And the first part of today, I want to communicate with you and share with you the changing face of American Christianity. And what that has to do with us as a church specifically. Both the opportunities that I believe it provides and some challenges. Now to paint this picture of this changing face of American Christianity, I need you to be patient with me because I'm going to show you a lot of statistics. Will you be patient today? Thank you. Amen. In advance. <laughs> All right. Let me show you this first one here. According to a 2022 survey... 31% of Americans never attend church compared to the 20% who attend every week. So if you attend here every weekend, you are in the minority. Now, you heard this last weekend from Dr. Ron Walborn that 65, 60% of Americans identify as Christians. But as we've mentioned before, there seems to be some type of disconnect between what people believe and their actions. And so 31% of Americans never attend church. Now, if you go a little further out, okay, well, what about the people who attend once or twice a month? Which is really, as I talk to other pastors and research has shown, is about the norm. Probably the majority of people in this room attend once or twice a month. Look at these statistics. Just four years ago in 2019, that was 34% of Americans. The year after, in 2020, 31%, and of course, in 2021, 28%. You probably can do the math and see that each year it's dropping about 3%. So why is this the case? Why are people attending the church less? Well, this question was asked, and there are some fascinating answers. Look at this. Out of those who don't attend, 23% say they haven't found a church that they like. Now, I could preach a whole message just on that, but I'm not going to do that today. But 23% say they just haven't found one that they like. 28% simply don't believe. They're not followers of Jesus. They're not uh, a part of the faith community. But here, look at this. The majority, 37%, say they practice their faith in other ways. So what does that mean? We call this group the religiously unaffiliated. Now, you probably know some of these people. They may be in your family. Um, you may feel that way, but you just happen to be here today or you work with people. They are people that would say, hey, we love Jesus. We're spiritual, but we want nothing to do with church. How many have ever heard that before? Okay. That is the growing number of our population, the religiously unaffiliated. Affiliated. Now, there is a term that's used for this, and that is the knowns. And this term began in the 1960s to identify those who chose none of the above. Like in a survey like this, religious affiliation, they would check off none of the above. The religiously unaffiliated or the knowns. Now, um, again, these are spiritual people, they would say, but not 
religious or faithful or they're, they're homeless when it comes to having a church. Now, I want to break this down by generation and show you the religiously unaffiliated per generation. Now, you don't have to um, raise your hand if you don't. I don't want you to feel pressured to, but just out of curiosity, because we are a generationally diverse congregation. Where are my Gen Z people at? You're born between 1995 and 2010. Don't be shy. Raise your hand. Okay. Most of them probably watching online, but we're thankful the ones that are here. I'm teasing you. We love you, Gen Zers. 34% of your generation are religiously unaffiliated. Where are the millennials at? Born between 77 and 95. All right. I see you, millennials. Energy. 29% of your generation are religiously unaffiliated. And then here's my generation, Gen X. Come on, where's the Gen Xers at? Well, there's a few of us here today. Born between 65 and 76. 25% of our generation are religiously unaffiliated. We certainly have boomers here. Where are the boomers? All right, there they are. Go boomers. Eighteen percent of you are religiously unaffiliated, and then our silent generation, loud and proud for our silent generation. Where are you at? Okay. That was so sweet of you to all honor our older saints. Do you see a trend here? The younger generation is walking away from church. I would ask this question. Are they walking away from the organization, the institution of church? Or are they walking away from the people that are inside the walls? That's a sermon for a different day. But regardless, they are walking away. To prove this point even more, just to show you a few generations, Gen X, 60%, 67% of Generation X identify as Christian. Boomers? 76% of baby boomers identify as Christian. And look at this. Those born between 1928 and 1946, 84% of the silent generation identify as Christian. Our younger generation is walking away from church. Now, America is also becoming increasingly diverse. I'm going to explain why I'm sharing these statistics with you as well. But according to the United States Census Bureau, um, we are growing and are becoming more diverse as a country by the day. If you participate in the Census Bureau, there's an opportunity. The survey allows participants to self-identify or self-select their ethnicity. So I want to take you back 60 years ago and paint a picture of what America looked like in 1960. In 1960, 89% of Americans were white. 10% were black, 1% were of other ethnicities. Let's bring it into modern day times. This is a few years old, but in 2019, look at the already dramatic change. 60% of Americans are white, 18% are Hispanic, 12% black, 5% Asian, 5% are of uh, multiple ethnicities. Now here's where things really get fascinating. Those who do this for a living project that in the year 2060, 40 years from now, this is what America will look like. 43% of Americans will be white, 28% will be Hispanic, 15% will be black, 9% will be Asian, 5% will be of multiple ethnicities. In the year 2060, there will be no ethnic majority in America. We will be more diverse than we are now. 
I love how um, author and religious journalist Bob Smetana, who wrote the book Reorganized Religion, sums up all of this information. He writes, America's grandparents go to church. Their grandkids do not. America's grandparents are white and Christian. Their grandkids are not. Here's why this is so important for us as a church. Here's why this is so important for American Christianity and churches in America. If we are going to reach people with the good news of Jesus, if we are going to be effective, we had better understand the changing face of our nation, the people we live with, work with, shop with, run with, the people that we are very trying to reach, we have to understand the changing face of America. And for the most part, the next generation does not desire to affiliate with a church, and they are becoming increasingly diverse. Two things that this means, I believe, for the church in America. This is the only time today I'm going to speak to the church in America. The rest of it is going to be geared toward us as ACAC. But for the church in America, here are two things that are important. First of all, our investment in reaching the next generation for Jesus must be significant and strategic. Otherwise, 40, 50, 60 years ago, those generations will not be attending church nor following Jesus. So we need to look in the mirror and ask, what are we doing wrong? And what is God's spirit leading us to do to reach the next generation for Jesus? If I asked you if you wanted your grandkids to come to ACAC, your great-grandkids, some of you, your children, you would say yes. We have to ask why. And be willing to do the courageous things and the bold things and being obedient to God to reach them. The second thing that the American church had better wake up to, that as America becomes more diverse, churches had better learn to deal with the issues diversity brings. And this is where I get pretty excited about ACAC. These are certainly challenges. No one in here would deny that the American church is facing incredible difficult challenges however i want to remind us today that the church of jesus christ since its inception has always faced challenges if you go to the birth of the church think about it acts chapter 2 we sang about it in one of the lyrics of the song this morning the birth of the church was found in acts chapter 2 you remember what happened the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the apostles and the followers of Jesus at that time in the upper room. Peter steps forward and preaches a message. 3,000 people say they want to follow Jesus. And in that moment, the church is born. And guess what? When the church is born, it immediately has problems. So we should feel like we're in good company. The church has always had problems. Now, the first church had problems externally and it had problems internally. Look at this verse in Acts. The Bible tells us about the persecution that the church faced. There arose on that day, this is following the uh, death of Stephen, a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. The apostles stayed in Jerusalem. So the moment the church is born, they are experienced true persecution. Now we may feel like 
the world doesn't want anything to do with Christians, that they don't want to hear about Jesus, they don't believe in the Bible, but the last I checked, no one is dragging us out of the church into the street and stoning us. That's what was happening then. But get this, in the middle of this, God used the persecution. God used the the followers of Jesus being scattered all over the area to spread the good news of the gospel. So could it be that the challenges we face, God wants to use again to share the good news of the gospel? Look at this, and this is the text for the day and, and the part I really want us to focus on. Acts chapter 9, verse 31 The Apostle Luke writes these words. In the midst of that persecution, the church, someone say the church. The church church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, they had two things. They had peace, and the church was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the church multiplied. In the midst of people wanting them dead, the church had peace, and it was being built up. Now, that was the external challenges. The internal challenges, you can go to Acts and read this later. There were ethnic conflicts within the birth of the church immediately. The Bible tells us that there were Hebrew-speaking Jews and and Greek-speaking Jews. That there was a food program and there was some discrimination that was happening. So you had struggles internally and you had people wanting the church dead on the outside. But in the midst of all of that, the Bible tells us, hey, it's possible... For the church to have peace and for it to be built up. Well, how is it possible? How does that happen? How does that happen for us today? Luke says it in the second half of the verse. Don't miss this. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the church multiplied. Now, none of you expected to come to a church growth conference today. And you didn't, but you're not going to have to pay for this either. But I'm going to break it down pretty simple. Church growth is not that complicated. And I'm not talking about having great worship and building kids ministry and great buildings. You can do that and people will show up, but it doesn't necessarily speak to church growth. The key to church growth is fear the Lord, comfort of the Holy Spirit, and it's multiplied. Here is the equation right here. The Bible tells us, Luke writes it, if you walk in the fear of the Lord, if you walk in the comfort of the Holy Spirit... The church will multiply. What does it mean to walk in the fear of the Lord? It simply means to obey him. To give him reverence. To give him the honor that's due. Don't take the credit for yourself. It is only God that is doing the work. We obey what he calls us to do. We give him all the glory and the credit for it. And we remain loyal and allegiant to his kingdom and his ways. That's what it means to fear the Lord. But Luke says, no, that's, that's only one half of the equation. If you combine obedience with walking in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, that's what gives you multiplication. What does that mean to walk in the comfort of the Holy Spirit? That word comfort is a compound word. And the picture there is that the Holy Spirit comes alongside you and walks with you. Now, I don't want you to think of this as an individual. Don't think of walking in the fear of the Lord or walking in the comfort of the Holy Spirit while it's true personally. I want you to think corporately. Think of the church family. This is why being led by the Spirit, being uh, walking in the power of the Spirit is so significant and important. The Bible says not by might, not by power, not by strategic, not by great thinking, by His Spirit. 
And so when we are walking with the person of the Holy Spirit, then we are able to discern, go this way, go this way. Now's the time to lay down this ministry. This is the time where ACAC, I'm calling you to go this way. When you combine obedience and walking with the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden now the church will see multiplication. I'm not done with this. There's a difference between addition and multiplication. Let me explain that. We are all called to make disciples. But I have news for you. If we just make disciples, that's addition. Let me explain. Say 10 people in this room. Invite somebody that doesn't go to church. They don't know Jesus. They come in. They experience the Holy Spirit's power, the presence of God. Their lives are changed. They come into the church. And we add 10 people, right? That's addition. God has not called us just to make disciples. He has called us to make disciples who make disciples. This is the difference. It's not, I just want my friends saved so they can come here and go with me to church. No, they come in so that they can grow in being a disciple and follower of Jesus so that they will make a disciple. So instead of addition, 1 plus 1 plus 1 plus 1 plus 1 equals 10, now it's 2 turns into 4 turns into 8 turns into 16 turns into 32. Do you see the difference? Walking in the Spirit, walking in the Holy Spirit equals multiplication. Now, here's where I want to talk specifically to us. Here's why I've shared this with you today. The opportunities and the challenges that lie ahead for us as a church. First, I want to talk about the opportunities. The first opportunity that really excites me is God's unique calling for ACAC to model unity amid diversity in a divided world. Look around. Look at the diversity. Go ahead. Look, look behind you, in front. Look around. We are a peculiar people. We got all kinds in this place. And I'm not just talking about color of skin or age. I mean, we got all kinds. Do you know that years ago, Pastor Rock is here in the service. He can tell you this was not always the case. When I was looking at this a couple weeks ago, I texted Pastor Rock and I thanked him because I was like, I, I just... I almost began to weep. I go, God, thank you. Think about this. Decades ago, when this church was following the leading of the Holy Spirit, and it was not easy, but the work that began decades ago, all of a sudden now, in a culture that's becoming more diverse and learning to deal with these issues, we are uniquely positioned to do things that only God can do because we follow Jesus in diversity. God saw this, and I've said this to you before, and I will say it to you and keep it in front of you again. This is why our following Jesus and diverse community is so important. And young people, I believe you will confirm this. Our world is looking for a place, looking for a family, looking for a church where there can be white and black and brown and green and rich and poor, Republican and Democrat and Calvinist and Arminian and egalitarian and complementarian and whatever you want to put in between, a place where they will come, not allow those things to divide them, but say, no, we lay that aside because we are united in one Lord, one spirit, and one baptism. If, if we could model that, oh my goodness, the world is hungry for that. And we have a jump start. We have an opportunity. Here's the second opportunity that, I, that excites me. 
opportunity for the community hub to serve as the nucleus from which meaning, meaningful and lasting relationships are built with each other and forged within our community. Do I get excited that in a month or two when this hub is done, we are going to have more space that after church you can connect with other families, your kids can play and connect and build lasting relationships within our church? Absolutely, that excites me. And it's important for us. But what is more important and what I'm more excited about is the opportunity the hub can be as a window to our community. We're putting a coffee shop in the hub. And, and it's not just about having good coffee on Saturday and Sunday. It's about Monday through Friday. Imagine having a coffee shop in there that's open during the week where people in the community, moms, dads, can bring their kids play for free in a safe place have conversation where on Wednesday nights we can have addiction recovery programs counseling programs we can have English as a second language classes for those who are adapting and learning a new language all of this space provides us an opportunity as to to reach out and be a part of the community in ways that maybe we haven't before another opportunity that excites me is an opportunity to mentor and support urban churches and those seeking to be more diverse. There's a pastor that I'm coaching now that Pastor Rock worked with and coached years ago. And, and uh, the way God worked it out, we connected. And he pastors in um, downtown Toledo. And, and it, it's an opportunity to share and to connect things that we've learned. I believe God is going to provide more of those opportunities as we continue to learn and grow to share with other churches that are in urban communities looking to be more diverse, we will have an opportunity to do that. And here's another opportunity, the last one that I get excited about, an opportunity for expanding kingdom influence through the growth and development of multi-site campuses. Let me take just a moment, moment and explain multi-site and why this is important. If God was to bless our church with growth, multiplication, if we had 500 adults come to this Northside campus, say next weekend, we would not be, we'd have to turn people away and say, I'm sorry, we can't take you. Now, I know in this church's history, we, at one point we did six or seven services. I believe that drove Pastor Rock to a heart attack. I have no desire, <laughs> no desire to go down that path. So we're not doing six services. Um, but we need to be able to handle the growth that God blesses. We couldn't right now. We have a campus in Homestead right now. So I believe the answer to that God's called us to do is multi-site. Now, multi-site is, uh, is taking our DNA. It's, it's planning a church. And hear me in this. The goal of us doing multi-site is not about little ACAC franchises across Pittsburgh. No interest in that. This is not building the ACAC brand. This is about accommodating growth, reaching more people for Jesus in urban and diverse communities. With that, we do want to make sure that our DNA, that if you walked into an ACAC campus, it may have its own flair, its own feel. It certainly is not going to look the same. This is why we hired Pastor Trey, and this fall we'll be rebranding for expansion. And our Homestead campus will now be called Steel Valley Campus. Reason being is Steel Valley incorporates a larger part of the community, includes Munhall, includes Homestead. The school district is called Steel Valley. It's an historic area. We want to be more open and broader in believing that God can reach more people. And I believe that um, in two to three years we could be doing this again. But that's the heart and reason for multi-site. These things are exciting. And I believe if we walk in the fear of the Lord and we walk in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, we'll see these things. However, these are the challenges that I believe the enemy will throw across our path, and there are three. The first is protecting the unity within our church 
family. Just as we have a unique opportunity because of our diverse congregation, this will be the area the enemy will always try to creep in and divide us. We are a generationally diverse church. We are a socioeconomic diverse church, a doctrinal diverse church, a political diverse church, and an ethnic diverse church. Generationally, you have heard me explain that we need to reach this next generation for Christ. We need to be strategic and investment. The enemy, as we try to do that, will try to divide our generations. I had this conversation, and I do occasionally, with some of our older saints. You know, Pastor Allen, why don't we sing more hymns? We love these hymns. And I asked the question, I said, do you want to see your grandkids know Jesus? And the course is, yes. Do you want them to come to ACAC? Yes. As much as I love those hymns, they're not going to reach your grandkids. Doesn't mean we're going to abandon them. But I need you to show me grace. I need you to show me um, grace when we're a little more creative and doing things, not just through music, but through other things. That's why we hired uh, a next generation Ashley and and our young adults pastor. That's why we invest in our, our kids and our students. I want to do everything possible to reach this next generation. We need an older generation to love and accept the younger generation, even though you don't understand, even though they wear a hat in the church or they have their nose pierced or tattoos and they don't dress like you. We need you to love and to mentor, and they want that from you. But the enemy will use those things to rip us apart. we got to protect the unity. The socioeconomic unity, I talked about a coffee shop. One of the challenges that you may not think about that we have been thinking about. I want to have great coffee. I want to have Americanos and lattes or whatever it may be. But what we don't want to do is unintentionally have a $4 cup of coffee bring division to those who can't afford it. Well, there's your free coffee. Go downstairs in the basement and it's tucked in the corner. No. So we're addressing those things. But the enemy could use that to divide us. There is doctrinal diversity. We have those that are Calvinists in here and Arminian in here. If you don't know what that is, good. Don't Google it. Stay right where you are. We have Pastor Elizabeth on staff, Pastor Ashley on staff. We have egalitarian and complementarian. Those of us see the role of women in ministry differently. We can't divide over those things. When Jesus is coming back, the gifts of the Spirit, secondary issues that we fight over, the enemy uses that to divide us. I don't have to tell you about the political diversity. Next year's an election year. I'm going to take a sabbatical all of 2024. <laughs> Pastor Rock has said he'd be willing to come back. <laughs> How we address injustice in our world. When we see injustice play out in our community, in our world. The enemy will use that to divide us. We must protect The last two challenges. One, walking in both grace and truth. In a culture where grace is seen as weakness and truth is relative. When Jesus talked about grace and truth, he always led with grace. We have to be a church that leads with grace. We have to remember it is not our job to change people. It is our job to love people where they are. When they walk in this door, when we don't agree with them, when we don't believe what they believe, when they don't look like we want them to look, our job is to shake their hand. 
Our job is to hug them, embrace them, and love them, and allow the Holy Spirit to do the transformation in their life. That is leading with grace. However, we must also always preach and present truth. In a world that says, well, you can believe whatever you believe, there is no absolute truth. Three areas when it comes to issues of life, whether it be abortion, whether it be about refugees or immigrants or caring for the elderly or disabilities. We look to God's word and what does God say about the sanctity of life, about the imago Dei of every person being created in the image of God. It comes to the definition of what biblical marriage is and biblical sexuality. We don't allow our feelings or culture or social media to dictate our beliefs. We look to God's word. We love and lead with grace, but we hold up God's word true. When it talks about injustice, we don't allow our politics. We don't allow fear. We don't allow misunderstanding of culture to speak and... And, and lead with how we address injustice. We look to God's word and God's calling for us to seek justice and to seek mercy. It's God's word that informs that. And here's our last challenge. Our ability to challenge and encourage individuals at ACAC to grow from spectators into active participants in God's mission let me remind you, you are not meant to be a spectator. God has called you to be a participant. You know I love sports. And it, nothing frustrates me more than on a Monday morning to listen to a bunch of rabid fans who know nothing about the game try to tell the professionals what they should be doing. They are spectators. God has called you, and some of you now, he's challenged you to get in the game. You need to get on the field. We cannot do those exciting opportunities that I believe God has called us to do with a handful of people. Now the roles are different. The responsibilities are different. Some of you are running back. Some of you are receivers. Some of you are punters. Some of you are coaches. We all have a different role to play, but it takes all of us. Jesus isn't looking for fans. He's looking for players. Tell somebody, Pastor Allen said, be a player. <laughs> Take that how you want. Stand to your feet this morning. The fear of the Lord plus the Holy Spirit equals multiplication. I want to end with this. I've said this to our staff, and I, I continually say it to our congregational leadership. Things that are healthy grow. If we are healthy, we will be growing. Now, that does not just mean numerically. I'm not just talking about people in here, butts and seats. We'll be growing spiritually. Now, numeric growth, to me, should be a part of that, because if we're making disciples who make disciples, we will see that. But bigger is not better. Better is better. So I believe God's called us to be better. Better personally. Better follower of Jesus. And a better family. 
I'm going to ask you, I know this is going to make some of you queasy. Would you grab the person's hand that's standing beside you? Lord, I am amazed at how you have set us up. (laughs) There is an opportunity that awaits. Work that you did decades ago to set us up for this moment right now. I pray that we wouldn't drop the ball. Pray that we wouldn't take our eye off of you. That we wouldn't plug our ears and ignore your spirit's leading. Because when you're leading, it's going to call us to do things that don't make sense sometimes. Give us the courage. Give us the boldness to follow that. Let us fear you. Walk in the fear of God. Let us walk in in the power and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And then expect that you will multiply. Would you reveal to each of us what that means for us? Lord, I specifically pray for so many that I have met in the last year that have said, hey, I'm new. For whatever reason, that brought them here. But I don't think it's an accident. It's a divine moment. It's a divine calling. But I don't believe you called them here to come on one service and enjoy the music, take advantage of kids or students. You called them to use their gifts to make a difference, to reach people for Jesus. And I just ask that you would reveal that to them. They wouldn't do it out of pressure or begrudgingly, but do it because they recognize there is a role for them to play. Thank you for that, Jesus. In your name, amen. Hey, God bless you.